You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, shot at Isabel. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Bufal shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone, I am the host of the show, and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And in the intro, you heard Ralph say, either we win or we learn. And I think we definitely learned some things over the past couple of weeks. I think we've learned that we've been seemingly lucky to get away with some of the selections that Ralph has made. When you think back to both Manchester and Sheffield United, and I don't think we got away with it quite on Friday night when Bournemouth came to town and got their first ever Premier League win at St. Mary's. So uh, a lot to be desired from the performance, especially in the first half, a better second half, but not enough to get the points. And to be honest, if we go forward, and tomorrow night or tonight, as you're listening, uh, we manage to uh, take care of business down the other side of the M27. I think I'll be forgiven. But he, Rafa said now in the press conference that he will choose his strongest team. We'll have to see who that is. Uh, and to kind of talk about all of that this week, I am joined by Matt Beeling. Uh, Matt does the logo for the show. He used to be uh, the guy behind the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Uh, has been a partner of the show for a long time. He's put that page on hiatus, but uh, Matt is still a, a good friend and uh, a pleasure to talk to him as always. The last time you heard from him is episode 100, so there's some of you who, on here who have not heard from him, but um, you, you've missed out so far. So uh, this is your chance to kind of catch up with him. So let's get to our discussion. And uh, once again, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Matt Beeling. You can find him on Twitter at WeSouthampton. He's the guy who does the logo for the show, uh, and he's been around since before the show was even a thing, and he was last on on episode 100. So it's been it's been way too long, Matt, but thanks for coming back on the show, and, and welcome back. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, it has been <laughs> way too long, but thanks for having me back. No, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, it's always good to catch up and, and talk. And we've been kind of chatting here for a little bit, but um, unfortunately, we don't have the the best news to talk about in terms of, of Saints' performances, at least in the first half. And I think this might be the first time that uh, Ralph comes in for some some criticism, really, on the show. And uh, I, I I kind of you could kind of feel it creeping in. I think the last couple of weeks in terms of some of the selections he's made, but uh, mm-hmm. I think this time this might be the one where we just have to say it out loud and. Uh, We'll see. So um, anyway, yep. how are things with you? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've like had a bit of a like, job change, but um, in general, like, everything's going great and uh, still trying to follow the team as much as I can around London. So yeah, yeah, all good. Thanks. Yeah. And, and people might remember you from the, the We Are Southampton page on, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That was 
the the page you used to do competitions and, and everything else and that's kind of yep. where I met you and and now you've kind of uh not retired it but you, you've put it on hiatus for a while um but you're you're busy and you're working and and that's you know that's what it's all about so um yeah yeah uh I guess do you want to do you want to just jump in and, and take a look at the team selection and and because we're I mean, we're going to talk about the Bournemouth match obviously for a little bit and then uh, there's obviously a match the day this this comes out this could be out Tuesday morning so um, people will get this just ahead of uh, of the trip down the road and uh, obviously we, I guess we should talk about that just a little bit yeah definitely uh, even <laughs> though really we were <laughs> yeah even though my son uh, we were talking wasn't alive the last time uh, we beat them so it's been a while absolutely crazy yeah absolutely crazy it's been yeah. a while. Um, so, I mean, Bournemouth coming to town, you, you were there at the, at the stadium on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, so for, for the rivalry, they claim it is, you know, added security, you know, a bubble, anything like that, you know, fist fights outside the stadium, uh, were you able to make it in the ground safely? Oh yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I made sure I was, uh, well-dressed suited for the occasion, but, um, you know what, there was absolutely nothing like on the way into the ground. So this rivalry that they keep talking about is just non-existent. Every opportunity they have to make it one, they just refuse to. They can uh, mouth off on Twitter, but it doesn't seem to actually translate to their fans. So, yeah, interesting. There wasn't too much atmosphere outside the ground before the game. Yeah, I mean, even even Freddie uh, from the ugly inside on the preview show was like, yeah, come down to the Five Rivers pub. Like, well, uh, well, I'll have a couple of pints together before the game. Like, it'll be okay. And the, the, their presenter was like, no, no, no. Like, we want it to be a, a rivalry. And Freddie's like, no, just come over here and, and have a beer. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah um, it's never going to happen, I don't think. No, no. And and obviously, I, I think the fact that I didn't hear anything discussed in terms of, you know, uh, added security or, or words of wisdom for their fans coming into Southampton or anything, not, nothing like, you know, where... Yeah, I was a little surprised that there isn't kind of added security or it is, isn't like, uh, you know, the bubble's not being implemented for, for Tuesday's match. But I think mm-hmm. that shows you the difference. The fact that it was seriously considered and the club has come out and made a statement about, you know, removing stuff from your car if you're going to drive in and not wearing your shirt outside and things like that. Like, yeah, there's a there's a huge difference between the way that these two things are, are, are going. So we'll 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 see. But um mm-hmm. Not a lot of atmosphere outside, and, but it sounded like it was decent inside, at least from the TV coverage. Uh, Friday night, I mean, think I think night games are always a little bit different. Um, I think they have the ability or the chance to be kind of maybe more intense on the lights, but sometimes I think midweek they can they can tail off a little bit. But just starting with the team news, I mean, when you saw again kind of a weird looking team sheet were you were you at all concerned or did you kind of have an idea where people would play or what were your thoughts on it my yeah my initial like glance at it i was like i was fairly satisfied with it because i saw like obviously redmond was back and um dancer was back and then i started to try and work out in my head and i was like okay it's nice to have them back but like what like where are they playing like obviously they got like three center backs on the team sheet and one right back it just seemed like a little off balance but i think maybe because of the the names on the team sheet initially, I was like fairly satisfied with it. So I didn't really know how it was going to play out in terms of where they would line up on the pitch. Yeah. I was, I was thinking Buffal at left wing back, like that's going to be fine, you know, we'll just, <laughs> but luckily, or maybe not luckily that's, that's not how it worked <laughs> out. Um, I think the way they, they lined up initially, it wound up being a, a back four with Cedric at left back and Danzo at right back. Uh, meaning now he's played both center back or all of center back, left back and right back for the team. Um, yeah. And, 
I'm not sure how that worked out. And then ahead of them, obviously, it was Romeo and Hoiberg and then uh, JWP and, and Buffal and then up top, Adams and, and Redmond, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like everybody's kind of running everywhere. And I was watching kind of as the kids were trying to take a test. And so I, I you know, I was watching as much as I could without getting myself in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a, a, a real strange one once I saw the lineup and when I saw they were like lined up on the pitch because obviously Danso's a centre back and he's playing out of position at left back. And oh no, sorry, at right back. And then you've got Cedric, who's a natural right back playing at left back. It just like, it, it seemed to make no sense especially when you consider how well Yoshida played against Sheffield United just to drop him to the bench in place of Danso, who just walked straight back into the team after his red card against Manchester United. It just seems, it seems very strange in terms of the, the selection. And I'm not sure why those players were picked, but yeah, the first half obviously provided enough evidence as to, as to why it won't work again. I am I am really hoping that we haven't found uh Hassan Hoodle's version of, of Wesley Hoot, you know, where <laughs> where Danzo just continues to play all the time mm-hmm. if he's not up for it. And and I don't think that's the case. I think he's definitely uh, a competent footballer. I'm just not sure where he's gonna play unless he replaces maybe Vestergaard. But like I don't know. I, I don't think I, people were really upset with Vestergaard, but I don't think Vestergaard was as terrible as people as people thought. Um, no, no. I think, he, I think he, yeah, he had a fairly solid game. Um, I think it was purely down to the the formation in the first half that really caused most of the problem. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, you just hope it kind of works itself out, and you hope we figure out what's going on with with Bridge. I mean, Valerie wasn't even on the bench. I mean, there, there's a lot of questions that I have about about things, but obviously we don't have uh, we, we probably don't have the answers either. So I guess we'll just uh, we'll try to work it out. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is, and. And we'll go. So, I mean, the starting formation we talked about, um, kind of Adams up front, kind of on his own, or maybe with Redmond kind of there. And mm-hmm. Adams looked up for it. It just, I don't know. It it didn't really come off right away. It seemed like the the formation was definitely causing us problems. But um, I don't know. I, I didn't really feel like we were under it a lot until Bourne was scored. I felt like that kind of almost came out of nowhere. But what were your kind of thoughts leading up to their goal? Uh, what was it, 10 minutes in or 15 minutes in? Yeah, um, to be honest, I thought we started fairly brightly. I think I think the way that Bournemouth lined up with um, quite an attacking lineup, they had Josh King, um, both the Wilsons, and obviously, uh, who am I missing? That was another striker. Solanke? Yeah, Solanke. So um, they obviously lined up in pretty much a 4-4-2 formation with King and Wilson on the wing. So it was pretty offensive from them. And I think we just struggled to deal with the the pace they had on the break because every time we would come forward and we had a couple of chances in the first 10 minutes to, to get an early goal. I think James Will-Prowse had a good chance that just went wide. And um, after we didn't get the breakthrough early on, I think Bournemouth just settled into their, their, their pattern and their rhythm from their win last week. And I think they just became more and more comfortable with the, the situation. And so, yeah, it was from there that it was quite difficult to contend with them. Yeah. I mean, down our left with, uh, you talk about JWP's, uh, kind of chance it went just wide. It, it came mm-hmm. from, I think Buffal had a cross that got blocked. It goes out for a throw in. Uh, he winds up kind of almost back healing it to Cedric who sends the ball in and, and you can see what Warprouse is trying to do, just kind of trying to flick it to the far corner and he just doesn't get enough yeah. on it. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that, that was a, a legitimate chance. We had guys in the box. We had a cross come in and, and to see Cedric and Buffal, the, you know, we're so used to seeing Redmond and Bertrand down the left to have a completely different, um, you know, set of guys going down that side. I thought it was, it was nice to see them kind of get forward and do that. And, and we'll talk about Buffal, I'm sure as, as the game goes on, but I, 
Yeah. I was really impressed with him all the whole game. Um, just mm-hmm. tackling back and, and also the creativity and, and also just not making it so not overcomplicating, I guess, but, um, mm. leading to, uh, uh, up to their goal. Um, I mean, it's Romeo has been so good and was good in this game, but just on that set piece, he just did not do enough. He didn't do enough to, uh, Ake just gets wrong side of him out, jumps him. Mm-hmm. Danzo mm-hmm. can't get to the ball. Cause I think he's being kind of shoved in the back by somebody else. And Ake gets up there, and as soon as he gets his head to it, there's no chance that that Gunn's going to keep that out of the goal. No, yeah, it was it was strange because you would think with the height that we have a, at the back, we would be able to contend with people like Ake and their centre backs because they're a lot taller. Like Ake's I think like five foot nine, and he's winning a header uncontested against Romeo. It just seems it seems like a a bit of naivety not to, to mark one of their most dangerous centre backs. I know he's not that tall, but he's he's got a track history of scoring quite a lot of headers, so. I yeah. think that was, um, yeah, either a miscommunication or somebody didn't pick him up, or maybe Romeo wasn't supposed to pick him up. But either way, it was um, it was a really soft goal to concede so like so early in the game. Yeah, and you, you can kind of see where they're lining up. There's like I think three or four of them kind of push more out towards the top of the 18 yard box, and they all start kind of running in to get ahead of steam, and they're just all attacking where they want mm-hmm. where the ball is supposed to be, and and mm-hmm. Romeo just can't get there, doesn't get there, doesn't do enough, and. Um, it's disappointing. And, and at that point you're kind of like, Oh, Oh no, but we haven't scored a first half goal all season. And so to the, the idea that we're somehow going to, you know, magically break out of it and, and do that, it didn't work, didn't happen. And then we just seem to kind of go, you know, almost to sleep from there until about 26 minutes in 25 minutes in, we wind up having to, to switch formations, but not until, uh, King would have made it too, but he was, he was just offside. And so VAR mm-hmm. comes to save us again. Yeah, that was a, a weird one in the ground because um, obviously I hadn't been at St. Mary's for a VAR check this season yet. And um, obviously the Bournemouth fans went crazy once the ball, once the goal went in. And from where I was standing, which was like right next to the away fans pretty much, um, there didn't look to be anything wrong with the goal. So when it went to VAR, I was pretty surprised. Um, and then I've watched it back since and it was the most minimal amount of yeah I don't know how far offside it actually was but it can't have been more than a foot and um yeah very lucky to get away with that one actually yeah I would say that's you know it's not the first time we've been had the benefit of VAR kind of doing it and granted the decision is correct that he he was offside but Mm -hmm. you would have normally I don't I think the the linesmen tend to give the advantage to the to the attacking team, which is, I think what we all want to see, uh, unless mm-hmm. we're, our team is defending, but in terms of just watching football, you want, you want chances and, yeah. you know, so if it, if he doesn't get it and I'll be honest, I had, I had both of the Bournemouth strikers in my fantasy team until this week. And I could, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want both of them. Uh, I chose mm-hmm. to get rid of Wilson. And so I had King and so I was like, well, if it's going to happen, like at least it's yeah. King. And then, uh, no, it doesn't happen. So, um, (laughs) uh, so, I mean, I I was happy that the goal got chalked off, but at the same time, the fantasy team is suffering, uh, but it's not just Mm -hmm. him. It's, it's all of it. So it's, it's okay. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, Bournemouth did you some favors then. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Um, anyway, about about 25 or 26 minutes in, I I think it was very clear that Danzo down the right was not working. Um, and so we see another kind of mid game shift and, and Lucy, uh, who was on Lucy Hennett was on last week as it talked about several times, like Ralph's ability to change formations and make 
uh, adjustments in game is great when he's watching it all. Uh, mm-hmm. But somehow the starting lineup is comes under criticism um, over and over and over. But uh, 26 minutes in, we switch to a back three. Danzo goes to the center. Cedric stays at left wing back. Uh, JWP goes back to right wing back. And I thought actually like James Rapaz was more involved then. He seemed to be if going forward from there. And of course, we wind up switching uh, formations um, after the second half as well or in the second half as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Rapaz had another shot go over the bar. Um he maybe could have played in Romeu. Any anything else in the first half kind of stand out to you as as a real kind of key defining moment or anything you think uh, d- deserves maybe some recognition or some criticism? Um, to be honest, we didn't all, like create all that much in the first half. I know like there were a couple of chances. I think Hoiberg had one in on goal, and the keeper makes a good save from close range. But ultimately, I don't think we created enough in the first half to justify scoring a goal. So. Um, you know, Bufal did make some good runs, uh, putting some dangerous balls into the box, but ultimately there was no one to be to get on the end of it. I think the problem in the first half was Bournemouth was such, such a threat on the break that every time we came forwards, it was only Che Adams in the box to get on the end of these these balls. And I think, you know, if he's not getting on the end of them, which he wasn't, the ball just ends up being cleared and then you're on the back foot straight away. And with a shaky defence, which it was, with um, players playing out of position, I think it just leaves you so vulnerable and also, yeah, we got caught out so many times in that first half, and it could have been three or four, like three or four, got nil at half time. So, yeah, I think we were quite lucky to only go in at like two nil. So, I, I mean, granted, I'm talking full match stats, but and I think a lot of our chances came in the second half, but I think a lot of our chances in the first half came from us shooting from outside the area. We were willing to take shots and kind of maybe hope for a deflection or you know ca- cause some sort of havoc, but a lot of the shots just got blocked. Like we never mm-hmm. created the space to be able to get the shots away. And so yeah. Buffal and, and Ward Prowse or Hoiberg or whoever's shooting from the edge of the area and they're just getting blocked. And, and maybe that's what we want. Maybe the chaos is, is what we're, what we're hoping and we're hoping somebody comes out and makes a mistake and we can capitalize, but it just didn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. By the end of the game, we had 23 shots. Uh, yeah. I mean, just we could, but the, the second half was, I think a completely different, different game. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't do it. But um Wilson, Harry Wilson did make it uh, to nothing in the 36th minute. Um, and I thought that was just kind of poor from us. Like we were, I can't remember if it was King who had the ball out wide and then, mm-hmm. or who made the run um, down, down the wing from him, I think inside of him and, you know, just cut it back and Wilson was there and it was a good finish from him, but you know, mm-hmm. you would hope that we would do a little bit better defending down, down that side. And um, I don't know, it was kind of, once that all happens, it's, you know, judging from the way we were playing, I wasn't really sure we were going to be able to get back into it. No, it was, um, all the, the goal was almost a carbon copy of the one that got ruled out like mm-hmm. via VAR. I think, um, it was Josh King doing the damage down the wing and rather than him going in on goal, he just, I think we had more players in the box this time and Harry Wilson was on the end of, yeah, a, a good pullback. So, um, yeah. And after that, we just didn't get back into the game before half time and, um, yeah, thankfully things changed a bit at halftime, but that first half was probably one of the worst I can remember in, the, in a very long time. I don't know whether it was purely down to Ralph's team selection or whether players have just taken their eye off the ball a little bit with uh, Tuesday in mind. Yeah, I mean, pausing to talk about that at this point, I think is fine. It's Do you think that's a real possibility? Do you think, I mean, because we, I, on one hand, like I, I kind of want the players to know, like you have that game coming, but as somebody who's played sports you know you have to take it one game at a time you and you try to concentrate on the game that's in front of you but I mean with that game coming up and and us the fans kind of being as as adamant as we are that we win that game like there's no way they don't 
they don't know that game's happening just in a, in, a, in a few days, you know? Yeah, right. I think, uh, you know, if, if the players are anything like the fans, they've obviously had the Portsmouth game on, you know, in their minds for like a while now. I think that draw that was made like a month ago. And so everyone's had time to come to terms with it happening and, you know, making plans for it. So there's there's no way that the players aren't distracted by it. Whether that's the, the main reason for, you know, the, the loss against Bournemouth, probably not. But maybe one or two players, you know, the ones that were actually mean something to maybe James Will Prowse and a couple of others, maybe maybe they, you know, just weren't playing quite to their full potential. Maybe they don't want to risk getting injured and missing that game, or you know, it just it might just be in their heads a little bit more than people think. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, granted, we lost the game against Bournemouth already, but I really, I mean, we have to win. <laughs> we have to win on Tuesday. Like mm-hmm. it, it has to happen, and and so I hope the players are up for it, and I hope they realize that they got to play better than that I don't care what league Portsmouth are in right now like there you would imagine that they they have nothing to lose in this game you know they, they they're supposed mm-hmm. to lose this game I think all the pressure's on Southampton um which is not what I want I would rather always be the underdog bit but I think you just have mm-hmm. to go there and just establish yourself and and beat them but um anyway I I thought the last five minutes of the first half maybe were a little bit better I thought that our pressing was starting to, to click a little bit more and and they were having more trouble playing through the press. Bournemouth was, and the, 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 just the problem was we couldn't create really any opportunities from it. And Karolinka for the Athletic has written uh, a couple of things, and a lot of a lot of what it is is our, our willingness to kind of send the ball along and and kind of allow their center backs to like knot it down into the midfield where we can kind of contest the ball and, and hope to win it a little bit higher up the pitch. And I think if with that in mind, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about that as I'm watching the game. And it seemed that that was like Vestergaard and Bednarek have no problem just lumping it forward and, mm-hmm. and letting basically Romeo and, and Hoiberg just go to war. And, and I think that's mm-hmm. what we, I like seeing it. I think it's, I think they, they are up for it. They don't seem to, to shy away from the tackles very often. So uh, I thought yeah. it was a little bit better, but we just couldn't, like you said, couldn't create any real chances and we go in down to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Romeo and Hoiberg were probably the strongest players in the first half. I think Romeo's been really good all season. I think he's really stepped up his game this season. And um, yeah, I think maybe by the end of the first half, we had kind of created a bit of momentum. But obviously, when you're going in 2-0 down, you know the task ahead of you at that point. So I think um, Ralph must have had some stern words at halftime. And yeah, I guess... They must have worked a little bit when they came back out. Sure. And and it was pointed out on the TV coverage here, like you can change the tactics and, and hopefully you create a, a few more kind of clear cut opportunities out, out of them and you make the players feel a little bit more comfortable. But really, the tactics had very little to do with with either of the goals we conceded uh, early on or uh, any of the three, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a set piece where we didn't mark somebody. It was just kind of just poor defending, letting the guy run. Yeah, kind of threw you um, and, and not picking a player up in the box for the second. And then the third, uh, we will just leave to the end because it makes me sad. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we back to a back four now. Uh, Bertrand on the pitch, Danzo off, um, fullbacks playing on their proper sides. And mm-hmm. and we, I mean, we just looked, the second half was a lot better. It was a lot of us going forward and mm-hmm. not a lot of clear out cut opportunities. Um, I think, I think VAR saved us a little bit again, but. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, overall, it kind of a, I think Ward Prowse had a couple of chances that went over the bar. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought I thought we had a lot of a lot of chances, just not any of them seemed to to go in. And, and their keeper had uh, a hell of a day as well. He he made plenty of saves yeah. and looked pretty good. So I I mean, it kind of just feels like bad luck almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got into a lot of good positions second half. I think 
Buffal penetrating on the wing with Redmond's as well. Um, it's just a shame that we just couldn't get the service that Che Adams obviously needs. I think he's a striker who will, who will feed off really good deliveries and really good service. But I think the way the game was set up, obviously we had to chase it in the second half. So I think we just had to try and get the ball forward as quick, like, quick as possible. And um, yeah, we had some chances. I don't think Che Adams had many good chances in the second half before he was replaced by Ings. But I think, um, yeah, ultimately, I think, yeah, I think you can only credit Bournemouth with defending really well. And um, yeah, the keeper did have a great day and make some good saves towards the end to, to save a point for them. Did you, uh, do, you, do you play fantasy Premier League? I do. Yeah, I do. Did you see who was winning the league or the, you know, the highest points total at the end of, I think, Friday night? No, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know who it was, but it was somebody who had captained James Ward-Prowse. Seriously? <laughs> and then vice-captained the Bournemouth keeper. And it was just like, what are you doing? Um, and how do you win this? You know, uh, Mm -hmm. you, you have to be last place in every league ever until today, you know? Uh, and he triple captained Ward Prowse. No joke. Um, I can, I was, I was beyond shocked. Um, and I am not a a fantasy premier league genius by any Mm -hmm. means. Um, Mm I am 100% guilty of watching uh, a couple of YouTube channels and just going like, that sounds really good and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's not worked out well. Um, <laughs> I, I had Sterling captained yesterday. So that's, that's uh, a, I think a lot of people did that to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to, I guess our mm-hmm. stuff, but um, yeah. when we get the penalty, I guess the, the, the ball initially to, Adams from Hoiberg is great. Adams first touch is great. And he just runs immediately kind of, you can see him just trying to get inside the penalty area and trying to drive towards mm-hmm. goal. And, and, uh, Cook's challenge isn't great. Uh, we get the penalty Ward Prowse buries it. And at that point the, you can start to hear the fans again. And, and, and you know, and I never really heard the Bournemouth fans. I don't know. You were there. Uh, were the Bournemouth fans very loud or was it, they were just kind of out enjoying the evening. I mean, they were a lot louder than we were. I think okay. obviously that's just a result of, um, you know, being two nil up and having a couple of, you know, you're just having a decent day at the office, I guess. But um, yeah, I think compared to our fans, they were enjoying it a lot more. So making more noise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought that, you know, at least on the, and once again, it's all TV coverage and where the mics are and everything else. But once we scored, it seemed that our fans were, were much, much louder and, and kind of getting back into it. And I think that we felt some momentum kind of coming around, you know, um, mm-hmm. we, we looked a lot better. We were creating a lot more chances. We had a lot of shots on goal. Um, and I think the feeling was there that we could potentially get back into it now that we had a goal. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, definitely. Re- I think, um, you know, like we, we hadn't lost to Bournemouth at St. Mary's since like ever, I don't think. So yeah. Yeah. I think there was some kind of like feeling that once we got one back, we were like, Oh, they're going to start to drop off here maybe. And maybe we can pick up a point when we don't deserve one. But yeah, it didn't end up that way, but we did come close towards the end to, so yeah, nicking a point. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess the other thing we should talk about was, uh, I mean, we could go through all the shots, but there's 23 of them. I don't think we need to discuss every <laughs> single one. Um, right. I, I think another big decision, though, uh, and I, I'm not sure where you stand on or where you, where you were in terms of the of what you saw, but uh, we had gotten the penalty from Cook's challenge on on Adams, and then Cedric's challenge, um, I think on Wilson. Uh, yeah, it was him or Josh King, I think. Cannot remember. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it's King, it's King because I made a joke about it on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I said Var is King and, and Josh is not or something like oh, that. Nice. <laughs> uh, it's pretty, it's, uh, I'm just embracing the, uh, the dad joke. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just easier. <laughs> it well. um, yeah. So uh, anyway, obviously 
that that doesn't get given and then it goes to a VAR check. And I thought for sure they were going to get it. I'm not sure if you've seen a replay or not, but what did you think about that in, in the moment? Yeah, in the ground, it felt like it was a penalty. I think because VAR seemed quite soft, I was quite surprised when it wasn't overturned by mm-hmm. VAR. Um, and then obviously they had the goal ruled out in the first half with VAR. And I thought like it would just balance out and that one would get given. Um, but from where I was standing, it looked like a penalty. So I was, I was quite surprised that it wasn't one, but I haven't seen it back since. So I'm not sure whether it was or wasn't really. And then I think it was pointed out several times, like if, if it had been given on the field, it wasn't going to be overturned. And mm-hmm. the same thing goes the opposite way with ours. Like if it wasn't given on the field, they weren't going to make it a penalty. You know, it, it was yeah. the, they, the premier league seems to be doing, I, I think the right thing. And it's got to be clear and obvious. I, I mean, had, had they really seen like Cedric just completely took him off his feet with a slide tackle that everybody somehow missed, then yeah, they're going to turn it over. But it's, a, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those 50, 50 calls and you know, it doesn't go. And, and I, but I also wrote here that I would have been upset had it been the other way around. Like if, if, if the, if the calls have been reversed and, and we didn't get it and they did get it, I'd probably be fairly irritated given, you know, the way the game went in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it actually balanced out kind of well for both sides. I think Bournemouth would have obviously felt the opposite way had they had the goal ruled out and then haven't like, a, yeah, have the penalty given, but then like not get a result from the game. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, VAR is kind of strange in that sense that you still feel a little bit robbed by it because you don't see it in the stadium. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously like, they were safe now and you can't really argue with it. But at the time, yeah, I was, I was very surprised that that one didn't get given just purely from what I saw from my angle, but obviously there's more to it than what you see in the stadium. So, yeah. Um, I am trying to remember the exact name of the guy. It's Diego Rico. I think. Is that uh, him? I think that's his name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like him. No, I don't think many people do actually after that game. Not a fan. Um, I wrote some horrible things that I won't repeat. Um, on here about him, but uh, him and Cedric got into a little bit and he, he seemed Mm -hmm. to be as much as I can hate him. He was involved a lot and he did, he did damage Mm -hmm. us a little bit in the first half, just kind of breaking up play and, and going forward. But um, the, the tangle between him and Cedric, I, it was nice to see Cedric with a little bit of fire in him, but getting over his face and and kind of telling him Mm -hmm. whatever he told him, something about (laughs) not going down that easily or whatever it was. But um, Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of that guy. And I hope, uh, I hope, Obviously, we won't see him until we only see him one more time this season. But uh, mm-hmm. not not a huge fan. But um, I don't know. I, I coming down kind of towards the end of the game, we were pressing for a goal, and 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 Bournemouth had chances going the other way on the counterattack because they have mm-hmm. so much pace up front. Um, they brought Fraser on, I think, uh, mm-hmm. and, and they were they were they were there. And I hadn't seen much of Callum Wilson uh, around all, all evening. It seemed to be kind of hit and miss. And if he was in, it seemed like King was more involved down the wing than Wilson mm-hmm. was through the center, but um, Ings comes on um, and he, he has a shot. And I thought that was the shot that was going to be, I thought that was going to be, it. I thought Redmond had a shot at the, kind of the, the, the far post, I think it was a cross or a corner that went all the way through mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that you just had players diving in front of him to, to get something on it. And it managed to be deflected. I thought mm-hmm. Ings had an opportunity. And then I think Ward Prowse had one other one. I'm not exactly sure when it happened, but it just seemed to be the balls just seemed to be loose there forever. And we yeah. just couldn't get it in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had countless opportunities towards the end. And yeah, just a, it's just a combination of the efforts not being good enough to beat the keeper and the keeper just having a really good day on the, at the office and um, making some really big saves at the end. I think 
the one that denied Bukal right at the very end was a really good save and uh, probably the best chance we had after the equaliser to get uh, e- yeah oh, after the penalty sorry to get an equaliser and um, yeah this wasn't to be and um, obviously I'll let you talk about that last goal because I don't want to yeah no kidding uh, I just was going to point out we only had two shots inside the six yard area all of our other shots um, you know were obviously outside and, and a lot of them I think it was pretty even split between those that happened inside the penalty area at all and then those mm-hmm. who that, that were from outside but um, yeah I mean the game ends I mean, it's so close to the end and it's basically we have one last attack and then they just decide to just punt it long and the ball is allowed to bounce, which I've not played at a very high level. I won't pretend to know everything about playing defense, but I know that as a defender, if you let the ball bounce, like bad things happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the ball bounces and then it's over um, because Vestergaard was forward. So it was just Bednarak on Wilson and then Benrak turns to run and, and there's just not enough communication. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if he does, if he's not sure where he's at on the pitch. Cause if it's inside the area, obviously then, then gun just grabs it and it's game over right there. Um, mm-hmm. But I have no idea. I mean, it just looked like such a mess and that any, any kind of positive kind of, I guess any kind of positive, anything we can take from it just goes out the window at that point because all the fans leave remembering that moment when we conceded in the score, the, and then the, the score line looks terrible. Uh, everybody's mm-hmm. kind of upset. And, and I remember just like, I have somebody that shares a room with me and by this point school was over. So I was watching and I'm just, you know, yelling curse words and she's trying to talk to parents on the phone and I'm not being considerate <laughs> at all. Um, but it was, it was just kind of, it's really frustrating way to end the game. Yeah, it really was. Um, I, th- I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if there was guns fault for not shouting at Bednarek or vice versa, but, I then watched it back on match today, and apparently it's always the keeper's fault in that situation. So okay. maybe Bednarek should have should have got a call, and Gunn should have been out there to punch or head the ball away or clear it. Um, either way, it was a combination of errors, and uh, Callum Wilson probably had the easiest goal that he'll ever score in his life. And I feel like there was an opportunity there for him to be like real, like a real villain, and like get down on his knees and you know, just like nod the ball in. Yeah. I feel like if he had done that on the line, that would have like maybe sparked something of a rivalry between Bournemouth and Southampton. I think it like was like a perfect opportunity to real like, you know, like hammer the nail in. But sure. um, he decided not to, and I'm kind of grateful that he didn't because that would have been humiliating for everyone. So um, it was humiliating anyway. But if he had done that, that would have been yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, and you could already see the conversation between Gunn and Bednarak before the ball was even in the net, you know, they were already talking to each other and just going like, that was really terrible. And, and you're, and you're almost glad that happens as the last goal and not the first one. Cause if that's the first mm-hmm. one. Then I, I think it sets the tone for the entire game, but um, mm-hmm. it, it's terrible either way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I have down here that the first ever victory for, for Bournemouth at mm-hmm. St. Mary's. And that's, I mean, that's not, that's not great that I, I didn't want it to happen now you would have thought they would have beaten us, you know, under Pellegrino maybe, or, um, you know, under, under Hughes, but instead it's, it's under Hassenhudel. And I think part of it has to go down to just a, a poor first half or the majority of the first half, and maybe some of the team selection that he's there for. And, and I think this is one of the things I want to ask you is, is, is it time to, I mean, do, are, can we question Ralph now? Is it, is the, I want to say the, is the honeymoon period over? Cause I think, I think it's been long enough for that, but mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you have, I don't know. I don't know what's happening at training or whatever, but I, I, I think I see it as a mistake in terms of how we set the team up and his insistence on using Danzo out of position and, and the kind of refusal to start Bertrand, whether it's, 
I mean, if it's, if it's an injury, just say it's an injury and Mm -hmm. we'll all be okay. We'll all understand. But right now it seems like there is, and whether it's manufactured by the, by the media or by us as the fans or whatever it is, but it seems like there's a real kind of rift between the two. And and I've been reluctant to say it and I've been hesitant to kind of dive into it. But I think at this point you kind of look at it and go like, if he doesn't start on Tuesday, then Mm -hmm. there has to be an issue, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think obviously Ralph's a very opinionated guy. I think he obviously has his play, players that he favors week in, week out. Um, hence Dancer coming straight back into the team. I just think, um, yeah, I think there are just some players who he will choose to favor over others. I think it's very strange that Bertrand and Valerie have both been dropped from the team when they were starting every game pretty much for the last third of last season. So um, what the reasoning is for that, I'm not sure. Because Valerie's not even been in the under-23 squad, so he's completely dropped off. Completely, I think there was some footage of him in the stands on Friday night. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it's strange. And um, whether these uh, these team selections are dictated by Ralph, or I know he's got a new number two now, and Danny Roll's gone back to Bayern Munich. It's inter- it would be interesting to know how much of an impact Danny Roll was having on team selection, or whether it was purely Ralph. Because, um, yeah, some of the some of the latest squad selections have been very contentious, and I think it won't take long now for fans to be like. It doesn't take a genius to work out that, you know, Cedric shouldn't be playing out of position or, you know, he shouldn't be playing, you know, Danso at left back or whatever. So I think, you know, if we don't get a good result against Portsmouth, which is anything other than a win on Tuesday, I think people will start, you know, questioning him. And I don't, I don't think they'll be wrong to either. No, I think I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, I, I'm really, really wondering what happened with with Valerie, especially, um, mm-hmm. and, and Bertrand's interesting because Ralph said over the summer that either target or Bertrand can leave. Like one of one of the two can leave and it didn't seem to matter which one did. Mm-hmm. You think target fits a lot of the profile that he wants in terms of age. And I mean, he's maybe old, slightly older than, than what Rob is looking for, but in he's closer at least Bertrand's kind of an elder statesman. Um, He's looked uninterested at times, even though he's one of my favorite players. I don't think it's it's wrong to say that. Um, mm-hmm. He's gone through in terms of being dropped from the England squad and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure he deserved that, but it's it's what happened. And on top of that, he stays, and then he's kind of out of the team. Cedric comes back, and and Hoiberg. There was that whole thing at the very beginning of the season where. Um, I think Hoiberg was giving an interview, I think during one of the preseason camps and he kind of grabbed Cedric and said, this guy's ready to fight for his place. And, and he has been, he's been great. I think Cedric's been, been wonderful since he's come back into the team and he's been willing to go out and play left back and, and right back and wherever, wherever he's sent. And he's been playing hard and doing good things and working hard. And so I think that's all great. Um, you've seen the same with Buffal, but then, you know, you have this insistence on playing guys like, like Janapo at left wing back or Danzo at left back and then right back. And, it's like we have we have the the players there, I think, to to do a little bit of it. But then at the same time, maybe we don't because we were terrible last year defensively, and mm-hmm. so maybe these guys don't deserve to play. And maybe Ralph sees these guys as being the best, or they can be the best. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they just have time; they don't have time to learn because it's not their normal position. But like you said, I think people will start to question Ralph relatively soon, and and I think we have to because I mean, granted, it took us till December last year to get to ten points. Um, and we're one win away from it now. So maybe we're overreacting mm-hmm. a little bit, but I'd rather not have 10 points in December, you know, I'd rather, and the next yeah. couple of fixtures aren't great. So, um, no, not. Mm. 
it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and, and maybe, maybe the rotation that'll have to happen. Uh, I would hope it would be on Tuesday, but maybe the rotation that has to happen for Spurs, maybe that gives those guys a chance to, to kind of earn a spot and maybe we'll see kind of maybe Valerie will play then maybe Burton will play then. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll, they'll have a chance to kind of earn, 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 earn some respect from Ralph again, I think. Yeah, I think Ralph's come out and said he's playing his full strength team on on Tuesday. So I think that will give everyone a good indication as to what he values or sees as his his best eleven. So it will be interesting to see which team he names. And you would expect it to be a, the same team against Spurs if that does turn out to be the case, and it is his said best eleven. So I think yeah, now he's come out and said that. I think it'll answer a, a lot of questions. I I hope so. Um, and I hope it's I hope, I mean. I hope it's the right, I hope it's the right thing. I hope it's, I hope it works out for everybody in the long run, but I really, I mean, we need to be better than we were in the first half. Cause it just, I would say we're, we're a decent team, but we're not good enough to overcome a, a two nil deficit at halftime. And I think it's been a long time since we won a game when we've been down two nil at any point or down two goals at any point. I think the, mm-hmm. the stats they flashed up were something awful in terms of, of how often we come back from that. Um, which mm. I guess goes against everything. Every announcer that says, you know, two nil is the most dangerous scoreline. Cause it obviously is not if you're playing us, um, no. it's dangerous, <laughs> dangerous for us. Um, but I, I don't know. You have anything else you'd like to add kind of on the game or can, can we kind of jump to some of these, uh, listener questions and see where they take us? Yeah, I think it's best just to, Wash that one under the carpet and just forget about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was really hoping for a, a better, you know, um, Bournemouth the home. It's, it, you know, pat your little brother on the head, tell him good job, but you mm-hmm. can, but he kicked his ass. Like that's what you're hoping for. Uh, yeah. I get all the fans pumped up for Tuesday. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't work. Um, mm. So we'll see what kind of mood all the, maybe the middle just piss all the fans off for Tuesday and that'll be good too. Cause they'll, it's, it's, it's probably going to be hostile. I would imagine. Um, yeah. Sorry. But uh, we have a a couple of questions from the the Discord channel, which is just for for the patrons of the show, and mm-hmm. um, it's one of the benefits they get uh, for supporting the show. In addition to that, uh, they also get uh, access to an extra podcast episode per month um, and priority for having their questions answered. So um, I won't mm-hmm. say the, the patron's name because this was not a part of the question, but he said he saw a post on Facebook from someone who said in response to a quote from Ralph. Um, that said a resounding win on Tuesday, or you can pack your bags, uh, which I just think is a shocking kind of thing to say uh, to a manager who was obviously um, very, very good and mm-hmm. very conf- competent and is trying to make a difference. Even if mm-hmm. we don't necessarily agree with what's happening, I think we all want the same thing, but um, he, the same guy basically jokingly asks uh, if we don't get a resounding win on Tuesday, should Ralph pack his bags? I mean, I actually had the same conversation with a mate of mine um, after the Bournemouth game, and we were saying, you know, if he doesn't get a win from one of these two games, is it time to, like, maybe not sack Ralph, but I think consider his position as a manager, because I think, I think one of the things that he said when he, he joined, he, was, he understood how big this Portsmouth game is and also, like, how important it is for Southampton to be the best, the best team in its surroundings, you know, on the South Coast. So I think if you don't get your players pumped up or if you're not going to tactically be perfect for these games, then what are you just lying to the fans by saying, you know, by pretending that it's a big deal if you're just going to lose the games. Um, but honestly, if we, if we do lose against Portsmouth, I think a lot of fans will be, I don't think you'll hear the end of it for, for a very long time. Yeah, no, I think if, if he makes a team selection like he did on Friday night for Tuesday night and it doesn't work, I think he's, he will, 
I think to this point, everybody has given him the reins and given given the key to the city. You know, do whatever you need to do. He is he's great, and I'm fully on that. And maybe we're guilty of of giving him too much, but I think he's a, a brilliant manager. I really do, and I think we're we're fortunate to have him at the team and and also the just the, the work ethic that he has. I, I think I like everything about him, but I think that you know for the people who have lived and breathed Southampton Football Club for their entire lives, you, they don't want to be toyed with. You know, they don't want to be, they don't want it to be an experiment. They don't want, they, they want results. And I think that's, that's totally fine. I think they want the best 11 players on the pitch and for the guys to go out and fight hard. And I think if they did that every single week and we were just not good enough, then I think there would be more understanding of that than, than picking the guys that you, that, that you are, I guess, determined to make work in a system that isn't working. And so, I think it's there, but um, I mean, I, obviously, I don't. I don't really think it's time to to sack him. But um, it's it, the question's going to flare up, and social media is that way, and people kind of knee jerk reaction uh, and and fire it out there, and and that's their right. They can they can do that. Um, so we will have to see kind of how everybody kind of uh, I guess views Tuesday night, and if if we win Tuesday night, does the rest of this just go away? Like, do we just you know we just brush Bournemouth aside and, and keep rolling on the league and and that, but, um, mm. but anyway, we, but let's move on from that. And uh, another patron of the show, Kevin McGee asks a uh, question who misses out if Buffal, Redmond and Janepo or Janepo uh, are all fit. So, I mean, you have only so many options up front. Uh, we looked pretty good uh, kind of going forward. I guess the guys looked good individually. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think Buffal has come back and is, 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 has been, working uh, his, his kind of butt off to, to stay in the team and get in the team. And I think he's done, he's done all right, but um, you have those three and any formation you want, I guess, who, who misses out for you? That's a real tough question. I think um, you can make a good argument for all of them starting. Uh, obviously, Gineppo's had a real impact in the first couple of games that he's featured into amazing goals. Um, and then Bufal, since he's come back has like changed his attitude, changed his, his um, body language now he looks like you know a completely different player when he's on the ball so and then you've got Redmond who last season was our best player by an absolute mile so it's very tough to drop one I think if I had to drop one for the game against Portsmouth I would probably drop Gineppo I don't think he has anything to prove in that game I think he's already proved enough as the the current uh, ability that he has and I think he might get targeted by by Portsmouth if if he doesn't have his mentality right. And I think maybe because he's so new to English football and new to the team, I think it might be perhaps the wrong time to throw him into a game of that, that yeah, significance. Um, so I'd probably go with Redmond and Bufal. I think Bufal has got the trickery to, to really, um, you know, make a difference against Portsmouth. And obviously Redmond's such a natural finisher and he's got that speed that could really open up a defense. Yeah. I think, I think Jennifer's uh, probably the one that has to sit just because you think back to, to Sheffield and early on he, he got bullied a little bit when he's playing left wing back. He was going down quite easily. He still seems a little bit frail, even though he showed me some strength that I wasn't sure he had to, to hold off that challenge on, on the goal. Um, but I would imagine that the league one team that Portsmouth are, they're not going to be shy about, leaving it in and, <laughs> and, you know, it coming in with the studs raised and things like that. I I'd be surprised if, if they, if they took caution around our players and I'm not sure that, uh, 
that Janepo fits fits that kind of game. You know, I think you need somebody who's who has some understanding, who's maybe played at the, at the lower leagues, um, and, and I guess that doesn't necessarily qualify for Buffal. I guess that doesn't make him a, a prime candidate either. Um, mm-hmm. But he, I still think there's a large section of the Southampton fans that that aren't a fan of Buffal that ha- aren't convinced by him, and I think for for him to know that, I think he does, and and for him to, to kind of be able to prove himself on this stage. Um, I think would would do a lot because you have to just imagine both of those guys are going to be technically probably far beyond the defenders that they're going to face on mm-hmm. on Tuesday. It's just can they, you know, can they survive the minefield that will be their their holding midfielders and defenders trying to you know clean them out? Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I think um, if say worse does come to worse and one of these one of our players does get injured, it's like an, a really good option to have off the bench to have Gineppo off the bench with that creativity and the pace who could probably exploit Portsmouth late in the game if we are trailing or need a goal. So I think it probably is the, the best combination of players to play in that situation. Yeah, I'm I don't know. I think I think it has to be has to be that way. And I would think you would need Ings to start as well. Um mm-hmm. he didn't start on Friday night. I can imagine Adams I can imagine Adams starting as well. Um but I think, you know, probably have to have Ward Prowse in uh, just given the kind of, and, and but obviously Ralph isn't going to pick the team like this, but you, you think in terms of guys who understand the match and, and understand the significance, it's probably mm-hmm. only Ward Prowse that and, and Ings maybe that, that really get it that have been around mm-hmm. for it. And, and so if they're not in from the start that you, you have to think that those are, those are two guys that should be. Um, and then you have other guys that have been at the team long enough. You have to imagine Romeo who will be up for this. Hoiberg will be up for this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and, and, you know, guns kind of played at lower league. So he's probably understands the, the thing. And I mean, even for me, we were, we were talking beforehand. It's been, it's been since 2005, since we've beaten them. It's been mm-hmm. since 2011, since we we went there, I think. Uh, is that right? Am I, am I right in yeah. saying that? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's been, it's been a long time and it, I, I wasn't watching the team last time we went there. And so it's, it's been that long. And so it's, it's hard to, to imagine, but even that, even with all that said, I am, I am fully invested. I try to take the day off so I can watch it cause it's going to be <laughs> midday. And I was denied oh, cool. because yeah. I was denied because we have a, a meeting, but, um, I'm really pissed. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. I'm not sure if I just don't watch any of it, like turn off everything and just mm-hmm. wait until I get home and then try to watch it and, and pretend like it's live. Or if I just peek at the score and I can only mm-hmm. imagine if we go one nil down, like my, how unproductive I will be the rest of the meeting. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if something happens, but um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's not, not probably appropriate talk for, uh, <laughs> for this, but um, I don't know. It's, it's gotta be a huge match and he's gotta be, mm-hmm. he's gotta be considering some of those guys who really have an understanding of this and, and 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 they have to go out and do it. They have to. You got to have guys with something to prove. I think. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I would probably go if we go four two 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 um, or four two two two. Probably has to be up top at least. Ings and Adams, uh, mm-hmm. Redmond and James Ward Prowse, Hoiberg and Romeo. Like that. That has to be that way. The back four. Mm-hmm. It it probably should be. Vestergaard, Bednarak with Cedric and, and Bertrand on, on either side. Um, but 
I think that's what I would pick, but I don't know. I don't know. Or, or maybe you pick Danzo in for Vestigard just because of the, the pace aspect and, and things like that. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure Vestigard deserves that. No, I think um, I'd probably make one or two changes from that team or maybe put maybe Yoshida in center back just as okay. he's, you know, the guy who's been there from the start, the guy who understands the team. But again, he might well contradict himself by then, you know, if he's going to pick his strongest team, he can't be picking players who've been sat on the bench all season so far. So it is going to be interesting to see how he, he deals with having to balance the team now, not just with the, the talent, but also with players who understand the magnitude of the game. So, um, yeah, I think the team section is going to be super interesting. Whether he does go two up front will be another big one because obviously you would expect him to against a, a team two divisions below to go attacking and make sure you win the game. But I can also see him playing it safe, making sure they don't, you know, like make any stupid mistakes early on and then maybe bring on some attacking players later on in the game to really like compound, yeah, or like, you know, do some damage against Portsmouth. But yeah, the, I think the team selection is, is crucial to the result of the game. Um, moving away from that, uh, just momentarily, mm-hmm. uh, we'll come mm-hmm. back to it, of course, cause it's, I think it's on everybody's mind, but, um, Justin Woodward, another one of the patrons says we have a, kind of a really crap next six or seven fixtures. Um, mm-hmm. and those fixtures, if you include Portsmouth, uh, are, are Portsmouth, then Spurs away, Chelsea at home, Wolves away, uh, Leicester city, uh, at home, Man City away, uh, Everton, Arsenal at, and then I, I guess it gets a little bit easier. That that, that takes us basically through um, most of November. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a rough run of, uh, of fixtures. Plus, I mean, I think Leicester City are currently in third, and I think it's too early to look at the table, but they've been playing decently. Um, you know, Wolves, I think, are going to be dangerous, even if they're not quite uh, up to par in terms of where they were previously. But uh, And Spurs seem to be spursing it up earlier than normal, but um, <laughs> you would expect them to to kind of... Uh, kind of maybe turn that around, but I mean, how worried are you over the next over the, over the course of the next couple of league fixtures in terms of of where we're going to be by the end of, of of November? Maybe. Um, I can't say I'm worried yet. I think one bad result is kind of distracting everyone at the moment. I think that that Bournemouth result was really a little bit out of the blue. I think we'd obviously kept a few clean sheets in a row um, away from home up until that game. Um, haven't really lost heavily all season. And then you obviously you lose three one to your a team you should be should be beating, and then everyone starts to doubt how well you're actually playing this season. Um, right. I think maybe yeah, I think we're going to struggle against some of the teams we're up against in the next five games. I think Tottenham will probably you know try and pick themselves up against you know um, after their loss against Leicester, and then obviously we have Chelsea who aren't a bad team this season either. And then yeah, Man City at the end of or the beginning of uh, November, and that one's going to be difficult to watch if they, they can repeat what they did at the weekend so yeah it's a tough run of fixtures and hopefully we can pick up some wins there I think there are some winnable games but yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be tough yeah and, and we always seem to do a little bit better when we have teams who who want to keep the ball and who want to play a little bit and I mean if they have the quality of a man city that's different but mm-hmm. some of these other teams that maybe don't um, specifically thinking about Chelsea uh, they they have been decent this this year, but not great, not flawless by any means. Um, of course, and I bet that will be the time when uh, they decide to to start Christian Pulisic, uh, which will make me very uh, angry. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, if you look at our last five games, two wins, uh, a draw, and two losses, I think that's probably about right. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. and you if you then throw in the 
the loss at the beginning of the season to Burnley, which I think if we had that to do over right now, I mean, if we played him tomorrow, I, I would I would expect it to go very differently. But um, mm-hmm. that's maybe me being optimistic. But um, you know, that's that's just me. So, um, all right, we we have a couple of other questions. If you if you have a, a few minutes here, uh, yeah, we'll keep you, won't keep you too long. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamilton, who is at Cosmic Wozniak, says, "Do we lack a true finisher?" And I think you know we talk about the twenty three chances we created, or twenty three shots we had, I guess, against Bournemouth. Uh, and only scoring from the penalty spot, the XG is is at two, um, which means that a lot of the the stuff that we we had wasn't wasn't necessarily, I guess, great opportunities. Um, but I mean, to to have twenty three shots and only have an XG of two, I think I think some of the opportunities you're taking are are speculative at best. But um, even so, do we lack a finisher? And I guess my answer to that would be just no. I think between Ings and Adams, I think once they get going, they're going to be fine. I think they will be the guys who can finish chances. I think we saw that with Ings last year. He was injured for a long period of time and still managed to 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 really be, um, I wouldn't say clinical, but be be a guy who can score can score goals. And I, and I do think that some of the other guys lack that kind of natural ability to finish chances. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I think the only striker to score in the league this season for us is Danny Ings. And um, I think maybe give it a couple more games and if Trey Adams hasn't scored a goal, I think people start to get concerned that he was a waste of money. And um, I don't think that's the case. I think he's been super unlucky with some of the chances he's had um, in some of the games that we've played recently. Um, I think once he starts, or well, I think once he gets his first goal, I think he will obviously it will give him a lot of confidence and he'll start to score on a regular basis. But yeah, I think maybe if we had like one more striking option on the bench, I think that would be a, a huge benefit to the team. I think Danny Ings is, is a great striker, but I think he, he lacks an impact when he starts games. Um, he hasn't got the pace to trouble defence. Um, we don't really play to his strengths anymore um, with pace in, on the counter-attack. So I think, I think maybe in January, if we're still struggling for goals, I think that's probably the only... The only area I would look at to improve, I think he can definitely find a striker who's going to give us more options than perhaps Dannings can. Not that Dannings is, is past it, I'm not saying that at all, but I think I just don't think that Dannings and Che Adams will end up playing in the same team all that often. So it'll be interesting to see who, who gets or who has more goals by January, actually. Yeah, yeah, it will be. And hopefully it's you know more than one. Um, yeah. But yeah, we will see. Um, you know, there is a guy we got rid of, uh, Charlie Austin, who had some interesting things mm-hmm. to say on the uh, Stan Collymore's podcast. I don't know if you heard any of the clips that came out today or not. Yeah, I actually listened to them like probably a half an hour before I came on here. Okay. I mean, what did you, yeah. what'd you make of that? Because that's, uh, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm actually, that's probably what I'm going to do after this is go listen to mm-hmm. the entire episode, um, even though it will probably just make me angry, but I'm going to probably listen to it anyway. Right. Yeah. So I think I listened to about like a, a minute and a half like snippet from the interview uh-huh. and um yeah he just comes off as like a such an idiot i think i think the way he describes his relationship with with like ralph is um completely like thrown out of proportion i think you know i think he knew at the end of last season that he wasn't going to be here this season i think it was all but confirmed maybe not in person by ralph but i think it was pretty obvious and he's made it seem as if he was you know he's entitled to start every single game and um, you know, he was never that player for us. And I think for him to come out and say the things about Ralph and how unprofessional it was like for him to exclude him from the team, I just, I just, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of um, a little bit, 
he's just a little bit maybe bitter about you know dropping down a division or not being good enough to play with Southampton I think that's just the reality of it and um I just don't think he's equipped to handle that <laughs> yeah um like you said I'm pretty sure that everybody knew me you the media team but you know mm-hmm. my mom for me talking about it that Charlie Austin <laughs> was not going to start games uh, for Southampton it probably wasn't going to be around and therefore why would you take him on the preseason training you know you you leave him behind to get a move away you're kind of doing everybody a favor at that point and so I'm not surprised I don't know why Charlie Austin surprised you would think that he would be more in tune with this but maybe and this is me being completely rude and everything else but maybe you know stop worrying about the horses for 10 minutes and like sort your career out and then Mm-hmm. And then you, you, then, you know, and then we're all on the same page. Um, mm-hmm. now I can appreciate the fact that he maybe wanted Ralph to come to him in person and say, Hey, this isn't working. You're not going to be here. Like, I understand that. Cause that's, that's, I, I guess some sort of, res- uh, like some mm-hmm. sort of mutual respect maybe between professionals, but, uh, maybe, maybe other parts of that were gone long before that. And you can see that with Lamina and everything else where it's not necessarily, um, everybody's favorite. And I mean, Ralph, Ralph sent Ralph was there when Cedric went on loan last last season, uh, and and Cedric has made his way back in. So maybe you, if you're Charlie Austin and you're looking at the way Cedric's coming back and working, maybe you take some 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 uh, an idea from him and just just put your head down and work. But that didn't seem to to happen from from anybody's perspective. So uh, no. I don't know. We'll 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 see. Um, yeah, he's uh, not exactly buying uh, in the goals for West Brom either. So I think that says a lot about his ability at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I mean, I guess at the same time, like, you know, this is the stuff that gets ratings and gets talked about. So look, here we are uh, discussing yeah. this, even though I don't think really either of us really care that much about what Charlie yeah. Austin's doing at this point. Um, so I don't wish him any ill will, uh, you know, stay healthy and all that stuff, but also yeah, stop, stop, stop bad mouthing <laughs> the team in every opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other questions we have uh, from uh, T. Bizantz, uh, mm-hmm. he says, is Ralph overthinking when making his team selection? I think we discussed that. Um, you know, maybe we didn't address that specifically, but it's definitely, there is something going on and maybe there's just things we don't understand going on behind the scenes, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I guess, I guess we'll really have the answer for that on Tuesday. If he, if he, if he does something weird with the team selection and he says, this is the best team, then maybe, yes, he really is just inside his own head and he needs to just take a step back and just look at you know, what works when it's on the pitch, because it's really clear, I think for, for us, if you watch the match on Friday night, the, from first half to second half, and then even with uh, the game against Sheffield last weekend, the, the difference between the team, when guys get moved to their kind of at least semi-natural positions, kind of how, how that changes things, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, maybe he's just guilty of, yeah, exactly that overthinking. I think we've obviously played pretty well in the last couple of weeks before this warm-up result. And maybe he was just looking to, to to find out which other players could potentially work in the system that he was trialing, and um, well, he now knows that he can't play two of our four defenders out of position. And I think, yeah, I think obviously a, a result like Bournemouth that doesn't wake you up to perhaps making an oversight in team selection. Then I don't think anything will. So you would hope that he can, you know, work from this Bournemouth result and and really like just have a clear idea as to what his starting eleven should be every week. Yeah, and. I, I, th- I don't know. I think I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, there's one other one from Southampton News now. This is not really a question, more of an opinion. A left-footed fullback should start at left uh, on the left, and a right-footed fullback should start on the right. 
we looked a lot more balanced. I think it just confirms kind of what we what we've been kind of discussing, and, and we'll have to see kind of what Ralph decides to to go with um, finally mm-hmm. when it's when it's time. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Is there is there anything else that you 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 want to discuss or want to make sure we point out? I mean, um, I, I would assume you're not going to Portsmouth on <laughs> on, on Tuesday. No, I'm not. No, um, I am. Talked to a couple of people who are going, and it's. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I, I. I part of me says like, if I was given the chance to go, I would definitely go. But I'm probably also semi comfortable not going and just watching mm-hmm. from afar and hoping that everybody survives. Yeah, I'm. Ex- I'm exactly the same. I've. Um. I mean, I think only like twelve hundred people got tickets in the end because um, the allocation was so small. But um, I'm. I'm perfectly happy watching it on TV. Actually, I think. With the um, with the security and and the risks that you have to take or that will be in you know in place um, on Tuesday night, I'm just not sure if it's going to be beneficial for the majority of the people that are going to go. I think a lot of the Portsmouth fans aren't going to be there just to watch the football. I think there's going to be a lot of unseen violence, and I think um, I think it will really bring you know I think it will really uh, bring an eye to the, the fact that this this derby should be taken seriously. I think it is probably one of the one of the most vicious derbies in England and I think um, yeah I think this is going to be a game that isn't just remembered for what happens on the pitch I, I mean I really hope it's not the case but I, mm-hmm. I am there with you you know it's it's a I, I am I think I wrote it even in the newsletter last week like the, I'm, I'm more worried about every any, than anything else I'm more worried about the safety of, of some of those people who are going down there and that, that they they can get to the ground they can watch the game they can be passionate and and get home safely and mm-hmm. I am shocked a little bit that the, the, there's not really, you know, the buses aren't going down and, you know, it seems like if you're just going to allow Saints fans to drive their car up and park in the, in the lot and walk in, I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think if you're going to allow Portsmouth fans to basically queue outside the the train station and wait for Southampton fans to arrive, I think that's a really bad call. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, here in the States, there were... Sometimes uh, before Spurs moved, there was some some issues between them and Arsenal uh, lining up. I think that was a it was a Saturday Saturday kickoff. It might have been the early kickoff. I'm not exactly sure, but they had you know police out there and, and separating the fans. And there was there was a little bit of um, you know, kind of just having to separate with the horses and things like that. But nothing nothing crazy. Nothing like when you watch some of the stuff that, that happened in I think the early nineties and the, in the eighties and stuff, and maybe even the early two thousands, some of the videos that are there, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It may, it turns my stomach a little bit to watch some of the stuff that mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy anything like that. So, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I almost had two girls uh, come to blows at my, my AP world history class at, uh, on Thursday morning. And, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's enough excitement for me. Um, yeah. And that was over one of them not contributing enough to the group project, which I find <laughs> there that's an admirable reason to uh, mm-hmm. to call somebody out and maybe you know try to. I don't know what uh, this, that student was going to do, but it was uh, it was pretty scary for everybody involved because she was pretty yeah. pissed. But uh, well, you know, if you skimp out on a group project, you got to come in, don't you? So yeah, yeah, you got to yeah do it. But I, I most, seriously though, I I do hope that everybody's is safe and that it, obviously I, I want us to win too. But I think. The, the safety of, of everybody is good. And, and I don't want it to be one nil. I don't know. I don't know what you, what you want, what mm-hmm. you think. I don't want it one nil or two one. I want it, 
you know, uh, to be a decent scoreline. And that's actually the last question I have for you. It says from Justin Woodward, who's one of the patrons of the show, he says, is it possible that we win this game by a three goal margin? Do you, what's your score prediction, I guess, for, for Tuesday night? It's, it's like super tough to predict. Obviously we haven't played them for so long and um, the rivalry is probably more fierce, more fierce now than it ever has been. Um, I just, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. I think obviously after this Bournemouth game and, you know, whether the players are actually going to be up for it or not. Um, I'm going to be optimistic and say, like, 2-0. I, I don't think it's going to be as convincing as people think it is. I don't think we're equipped to beat a team 3 or 4-0. I can't remember the last time we did that. Um, and especially on the on, on the night against Portsmouth, I don't think it's a big... I think it's a massive ask to keep a clean sheet and, um, and, and score more than three or four goals. So I'm, I'm going to play it optimistic. I'm going to go for a 2-0 and, and hopefully... Yeah, there aren't too many complications and we just get the job done. That can be that. I think 2-0, everyone will be satisfied with that. Okay. Um, their last five fixtures, um, our league fixtures at least, um, mm-hmm. loss, draw, 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 loss. Um, mm-hmm. They are playing pretty terribly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we laugh as they, you know, fail to capitalize against 10 men or things like that. And they're not having a great time. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that uh, there's a saying, at least in America, that um, when it comes time for a rivalry that the, any kind of form or, you know, any kind of previous records for the season, like it all goes out the window and anything mm-hmm. can happen. And I'm not sure if that, if, if, if people view things the same way in the, in the UK or not, but this, this seems to be, it will be less about league position and everything else. And if they lose, if Portsmouth lose two one or three, one or whatever it is, uh, two nil, they will say, well, you, you should have beat us. And that's fine. They, they use that excuse all you want. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that they will definitely be up for it. They're going to come and, and want to win that game. And, you know, that's, that's the least you can ask for uh, from your team. So as long as our team shows up and does it, I think obviously the quality of the, of the players, our squad should be, should be heads and tails above them or head and shoulders above them, I guess is the proper saying, but like, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think winning by three goal margin, I'm not sure we'll get there. Um, I could see it being two nil. I could see it being three one. Um, I'd probably take the two nil cause I'd rather us keep a clean sheet and just kind of shut them out. But to have the second goal early in the second half and just put it out of reach and we'll just pass it around him. Um, mm-hmm. or just lump the ball forward and let Romeo just destroy people. I'd also take that <laughs> all game. Um, but yeah. 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 I think I'd, I'd rather predict there being a red card rather than the scoreline. I think it's, it's guaranteed to be a couple of nasty tackles in that game, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what website to go and check and see if there's a, uh, the, the odds on a red card, but I'm sure there's something, but I also don't want uh, a virus on my computer for him going to any of those sites. So I will, I will oh, yeah. refrain from Googling it here. Um, we'll just assume they'll be pretty high. Um, mm-hmm. But, but Matt, uh, Thanks for doing this. I mean, I have had a lot of fun, even though the match we had to talk about wasn't great. Um, there's still a lot going on at the club and a lot of, a lot of good things happening, I think. And uh, of course the good things will happen if we, if we win on Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's almost a season defining game. I know it's early in the season, but I think if you, if you beat your rivals at any, any point in the season, it gives you a massive boost. So hopefully we get the job done against Portsmouth and we can carry that momentum into games against, yeah, the difficult games against Spurs, Chelsea and, and City. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just having the, like you said, the momentum and the, the, the knowing that, you know, we've kind of established ourselves as, 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 cause this, this will buy the players and Ralph a lot in terms of a lot of leeway with the fans, you know, if we mm-hmm. get through this, uh, if we don't, that'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be the opposite. I think people will lose a lot of, uh, respect and, 
you'll, you'll see the fans kind of turn, I think on players and, and Ralph, uh, easily or pretty, pretty quickly if they do this. And I don't want to say easily cause it's, this is a big deal. This is, this is, you gotta, you have to work with these people. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't, I'm lucky that I will not uh, have to deal with that. I don't think there's a single Portsmouth fan that lives here, uh, that I know of. <laughs> so that's, that's great. Uh, I know a whole city fan. I do not know any Portsmouth fans. Um, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's, that's it. That's all I, that's all I got. But, uh, thank you so much for doing this. And if people want to get in touch with you on Twitter, uh, they can do that. It's just at we Southampton. Um, and, um, yeah, man, it's been great. And thanks for everything you've done for the show. I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks a lot for having me on. It's, yeah, it's always fun to yeah, chat with someone who, yeah, is super passionate about the club and, and knows their stuff. So it's, yeah, it's always really good. Yeah. Hopefully I'll talk to you, you know, before episode 200. Um, <laughs> that would be, <laughs> that'd be good, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do yeah, this again. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Matt Beeling. You can get in touch with him on Twitter at WeSouthampton. Matt, it's been almost three years since I asked you to uh, help me out with a logo for the show. And since then, uh, it's been a fantastic journey, uh, both for you and I, both personally and and professionally. And uh, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done, uh, for your help with Photoshop and just ideas for the show. Um, thank you so much for everything. If you'd like to get in touch with Matt on Twitter, you can do that at we Southampton. The page is on hiatus, but, uh, Matt is still really good at what he does. Uh, and I can't thank him enough, as I said before. So, uh, if you enjoyed that and you want to get in touch with us on the show, you can do that. We are at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y on Twitter and Instagram. And we're at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can get links to all that and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There are a lot of links at SouthamptonDelivery.com. Drop by, sign up for the newsletter, uh, subscribe to the show, let us know what you think. Any suggestions are uh, much appreciated. This show would not be possible without you as listeners. Uh, You guys make the show great. Uh, Your questions that came in this week and each and every week uh, do make the show a lot more interesting, so continue to send those in. Our partner page is the Southampton page, and they make the show possible for you to listen to because they spread it around. Uh, Most of you probably wouldn't know about it if it wasn't for them. So follow them at Southampton page on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As I've said since day one, the logo is designed by Matt Beeling. You heard from him here. And all music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. And lastly, a shout out to all the patrons of the show. Thank you so much for your support. It's, it means the world to me and it allows the show to continue uh, so everybody else can listen uh, for free. Uh, hopefully we'll have a bonus episode for you a little bit later this week if everything works out uh, the way it should. So with all that said, the big one is tonight. We will be back next week with a regular episode. And uh, until then, remember that together, we march on. I don't know what uh, this, that student was going to do, but it was uh, it was pretty scary for everybody involved because she was pretty yeah. pissed.
But uh, well, you know, if you skimp out on a group project, you've got it coming, haven't you? So. <laughs> <laughs>